even if you are in a really bad situation right now with or without diabetes, but well, my heart clearly speaks to those who are, <laughs> who do live with diabetes. There's always, always a way to find what works for you. It doesn't have to be the same as works for me. Absolutely not. It can't be the same as works for your neighbor or your friend or your dog or whatever. You have to find what works for you. Welcome to the Living Wild Podcast. I'm Brent Philbin, and today I am here with Hannah Boethius. And I still don't know that I'm pronouncing that 100% correctly, but she is on the show and became part of the Wild Tribe while we were at KetoCon and ended up agreeing to come on the show all the way from Switzerland. So this was a pretty cool interview. She is an expert in all things keto or diabetes and run even runs her own conferences so learn about hannah her story where she is now what she's doing and whether or not she feels like taking any cruises anytime soon on this episode of the living wild podcast all right once again welcome to living wild podcast i am here with hannah boethius who I had to look up that name to pronounce it <laughs> so that I didn't get it wrong. Uh, you are basically an expert on everything diabetes. You're a coach, writer, speaker, all of that. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is an incredible honor to be here with you today. Incredible honor. That's the first one of those that I've that I've heard in the, <laughs> the last couple of months. But thanks for thanks for that. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So we're we're here on the Living Wild podcast, and we talk everything related to real food health and all of that stuff so you're gonna fit right in and I, your basic focus is diabetes correct yes it is how did that become your primary focus for what you were doing well I am a patient myself and that's why you know if you if you solve a problem for yourself then you can solve it for other people right <laughs> okay so I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was two years old. So that was a while ago, uh, 34 years ago this year. And then basically people who got diagnosed with diabetes got the same absolutely atrocious advice as they get today. You know, eat loads of carbs, don't eat any fat, you might just die on the spot. You know, you should have pieces of fruit for, for dessert, which is, you know, fine if you can handle it. But as a type 1 diabetic, of course, you do not have the ability to actually process any carbs at all without insulin. And you have to add insulin for the rest of your life, no matter how clean eating you go. It's just that you can manage it a lot easier when you don't add a lot of sugar and starches and carbs to the whole thing and a lot of the quite familiar frankenfoods that we have around today. So the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes is kind of... It, I, I, in my understanding, it's you're born with type 1 and type 2 you develop over the course of life, but I'm sure there's more nuanced differences there. There's a little bit more to it, yeah. I mean, I was uh, 2, as I said, when I was diagnosed, and that was uh, basically no one else in my family has it. It's, it can't be genetic in my case, so it was something else that triggered it. Basically, it told something that triggered it, told my wonderful immune system to look a little bit closer at the insulin producing cells in my body and go like, oh no, we don't like those guys, we're going to wipe them out. That's the short version. <laughs> 
And so that's why people with type 1 diabetes have to add insulin from the outside, whether that is through a syringe or an insulin pump or a pen or whatever else method they choose to for the rest of their lives. Type 2, on the other hand, uh, can also be hereditary. Both of them can be, but that is a lot more sort of based on lifestyle choices, so to say. So that is usually developed more sort of in older ages. But now we're seeing type 2 cases in kids as young as 2-3 years old and type 1 cases in people as old as 50-60. So, I mean, the, the lines are very, very blurred at this point. Interesting. Okay, I hadn't considered that somebody that that, that was that old could get it. But I do see we see it younger and younger because we have... Uh, made worse and worse poor food. choices with our <laughs> diets yeah they especially i don't know what the i don't know what it's like in switzerland but there we have a acronym for it here that we use in the living wild podcast all the time called sad yeah. which is the standard american diet and it is it, it's pretty awful i mean i you can see me the listeners can't i'm a big guy i was definitely a huge product of this uh since i've moved to austin i think i'm down like i don't know 50 pounds or something like that awesome well done um, <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, but I believe I was on that track to yeah. heading towards like a diabetic process. So, yeah, it you, happens surprisingly quickly. Yeah, I think for some I, people, I, yeah. For every time I went to the doctor, they kind of did a double take. They would look yeah. again, always run my blood sugar, and they'd be like, hmm, "I feel like this guy should be a diabetic, but he's not." And every time they felt that way, I was like, "Okay, I need to, I need to change yeah. something. I need to fix Something's this so that go. I don't yeah. become a cautionary tale." So that's good. When, when I came to Austin. Colin is the CEO of Wild Foods, and I've yeah. been his friend for a long time. When I came back here, he kind of got on me and, and uh, helped me fix that a little bit. Awesome. So, That's what friends are for, right? But yeah. he Well, yeah. Friend is a tough term for him because he like, yells <laughs> at you all the time and stuff. So if I had, though, like, like if, let's say I was here today and I had just gotten diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and I was yeah. a brand new person. This happened like last week, and I happened to be talking to you. What would be the primary piece of advice that you would give me? to just start my journey of trying to fix this problem number one go low carb mm -hmm. that's it that is the key to blood sugar management because as a person with diabetes or then hypothetically have diabetes it is of course you have the problem of that you can't process carbs in your body so why add them when they're not essential to the body there are essential amino acids proteins there are essential fatty acids fat sources, but there are no essential carbs and or sugar. So why add that to the mix and make everything worse than you have to? So that's my number one tip. <laughs> so would you go, would you recommend like some sort of a strict keto or just kind of getting rid of the carbs? Could I eat all the cheese I want or, you know, dairy products or would I be more careful? Well, it depends on your tolerance, of course, and what your body feels good doing. And I mean, I myself didn't start on strict keto straight away 11 years ago. Not at all, because I was completely alone and I was really scared. And, you know, there's the whole thing with the ketones for, for type 1 diabetic, because that can, that it, it's commonly misunderstood that it leads straight to ketoacidosis, which is a deadly condition, of course, in type 1 diabetics, because that means that your body is not getting the insulin that it needs. And that's very, very dangerous. Anyway, but I started basically going step by step. So from a sad diet, it's the same everywhere nowadays, right? So from a sad diet, I went no, to sort of- Just another product of America. We're yeah. helping people out in the world. <laughs> America. <laughs> Great legacy. Okay. No, I went to sort of a, first I went to a liberal paleo sort of approach. 
So I still had all the fruits and I still had all the sort of even dried fruits and a bit of honey and all this stuff. And then I, but then I started realizing as soon as I took away the gluten from my diet that, holy wow, this is doing like miracles with my blood sugar levels. And so then I started, hmm, what else can I remove? How can I feel better yet? You know, and again and again, and all these like mini goals sort of things that then led me to now 11 years later, yes, being on a very strict ketogenic diet. But um, it doesn't have to be like that for everyone. It depends on who you are and what your preference is and uh, how you want to do it. But definitely get rid of as many carbs as you want and have to <laughs> rather. And uh, then take it step by step if you have to. And that's not really a problem. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be from one day to another to go from sad to keto. It can also take a couple of you know, a couple of time in between there. <laughs> so you're a coach and I, does your coaching tend to be towards this area of transitioning from sad to something else? There's, there's been a lot of that definitely. Um, but there's also a lot of other lifestyle factors that are involved in diabetes care that, um, aren't directly maybe related to the food, but sort of come with being interested in your own health. So that's things like stress reduction, for example, is a huge one because that really messes with your blood sugars, whether you want it or not. And insulin resistant uh, resistance. That That is just one of those things that are really messing you up. And then, for example, getting on the right supplements and movement and how often and how much and of what, what makes you happy moving your body, you know, all that stuff. Uh, proper hydration. Are there any medications that need uh, just a bit of like tweaking or, or changing maybe, or maybe you don't even need them anymore? That of course has to be done in, in talking with your healthcare provider, as I'm not a medical professional, so I can't give any medical advice, but there is of course a lot that can be done with that as well. And I'm the one that basically gives you the ideas to change your lifestyle. And sadly, you will have to do it yourself. <laughs> That, that's true. You can't actually, you can only help people so far. So exactly. it, do you, do you advocate like a slow, very gradual approach? Like it would you say maybe, Hey, start eating perfectly keto one day a week, two day a week, or do you, do you kind of start people in a different process? It depends on who they are and what their personality is like. If they're really motivated and for example, like in your, your example that I was just diagnosed, you know, last week and I'm super excited, you know, to get a handle on this, then I'm like, well, go from one day to another. Enjoy, you know, here is what you need to eat. Here's what you don't need to eat. Go. But if it is someone who is a bit more unsure and, you know, not maybe uh, can't really make up their mind if this is something for them, I'm like, well, maybe it turns out it isn't, but then at least you've tried. And that is sort of my absolute biggest mission that every single diabetic should know that eating a low carb, real food, clean diet is an option and you don't have to follow the sort of ADA, well, the old ADA rules of, of sad dieting uh, as a diabetic. Anyway. Yeah, the, the fat is bad. Yeah, that's a, that's a cute one that we've heard that we still, people still throw that around. I know. I know even to newly diagnosed people, which is the saddest thing I can even imagine, haha, by the way, but <laughs> the saddest thing I can imagine. But then uh, I wouldn't necessarily i would actually rather uh, transition people in terms of meal of the day so sort of this, from tomorrow all your breakfasts are low carb real food and then when the breakfast is sort of 
worked in then you know we take the lunch and then we take sort of the dinner and then you know all of that stuff and then in the end it's a long process but then in the end you have a full sort of low carb real food clean eating sort of concept that's going to make you feel fantastic in comparison or you can also do of course by food groups so i for example started with removing gluten from my diet because as type 1 is an autoimmune disease gluten and autoimmunity don't go great together and so i started with that and then i took all the other grains and then you know step by step all the root vegetables and fruits and other sugars and blah 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 until i got to really clean eating so do you usually ask ask the coach i want to say patients but but uh i guess clients would be Client more appropriate would be more. yeah pay, <laughs> we're not medical professionals we just went right? over that uh do you ask them to do any intermittent fasting or would that actually be counterintuitive to what you're trying to do or uh, I wouldn't that... do that at first. It also depends on where they are. Have they already started with something like low carb, uh, real food way of eating? Then absolutely, you know, it's a great tool in your toolbox. I intermittent fast every day. I never have breakfast. Uh, so in the fancy term, I'm doing a 16-8 every day. But it's just because I'm not hungry in the morning and I don't feel like I need to um, stress my body with more food if I'm not hungry. I'm I'm like every dietitian's nightmare. <laughs> But I can live with it. It's cool. Well, people often start with kind of the skip breakfast for inter- yeah. intermittent fasting. And then, like you said, they realize eventually they're just not hungry during those yeah. in-between periods. So it sounds so scary until it actually until it actually happens. And, and then once it does, and it's, uh, it's not so bad. Exactly. But you do realize, like, I, I realized when I started fasting, it actually, for me, it's more of a mind game. Like, I'm used to eating at this point of time. Mm-hmm. But then I had to really check in with my body. And that is another huge thing that I talk about that, you know, you really have to dare to listen to your body. And not a lot of people do, actually, which is kind of weird and scary how far we've gotten away from listening to what our bodies are telling us. But anyway, so for me, it was really a mind game that can I really not eat breakfast and still be okay? You know, or, or can I really just go a whole day without eating and still be okay? You know, it was more like that rather than my body didn't need more energy, more food, more nutrients. Not really. But it was my mind that needed the sort of action of eating. <laughs> it's interesting how our how our mind kind of gets involved with what we're eating and how we're eating it. Because there's times where I will eat when I'm not hungry and barely even know that I'm eating. Like if there's a bag of potato chips there or something like that and I'm just going crazy. Classic. <laughs> Or there's times when my body will tell me I'm ridiculously hungry, but all I needed to do was drink water. And it it didn't, I can't really tell the difference as far as what I need when I'm just like, no, I'm hungry. But, uh, you know, once I've had a glass of water, I'm like, oh, no, I'm good. I was just thirsty. Why did that go a different way? So that's an interesting thing. So going a little bit past what you're doing with your with your coaching clients and and your research on diabetes and keto. There are two other pieces of your puzzle that I mentioned, which was that you were a writer and you were a speaker. Yes. We just got back from a conference called Low Carb USA. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Maybe last week. Have you been to any of the similar low carb slash maybe paleo effects conferences in, in the U.S.? Well, I actually spoke at uh, KetoCon in Austin uh, ah! this past year. We were there, too. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is that where you met uh, Marcy? Yes. Oh, cool. Okay. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, we were in, we had our little booth there at, uh, at yeah, exactly. Keto that was awesome. No, but I mean, I love the big American sort of conferences. They're so un-European that it's refreshing. 
Wait, what do you mean? What is un-European compared to? No, it's just, you know, it's just so big and so many people and so many exhibitors and so many speakers. And the ones here are like, well, I do happen to organize an event in uh, Europe myself, which I'm sure I will get to a little bit later. But, you know, it's just it's just smaller and it's just like, yeah, there's a lot less to do, but there's a lot more focus on maybe a few issues rather than all the issues that had. <laughs> KetoCon is pretty is pretty big. We, when yeah. at Low Carb USA, we were it was quite small comparatively. So we KetoCon, you had that big floor with yeah, exactly. the huge expo with all the booths everywhere, and Low Carb USA was focused more on the the speaking, the keynotes, and that kind yeah. of thing. And they had a small expo, maybe 14, 15 different mm-hmm. vendors at that expo, and it, it all fit in one room. So they're a little bit different, but that, yeah, that conference is cool. I definitely would suggest looking at Paleo Effects. It's also yeah. in Austin and same place. Comes right around the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I, I like it here. I just moved here pretty recently. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, I actually did think about that. You know, if I could spend a bit of time in the US, where would I do it? And Austin was pretty high on the list. It's true. Austin is cool. There's plenty of places that you shouldn't spend your time if you come to the U.S. Where yes, you, th- true. I don't know, they might be something. I, for for me, it's weird. I, I'm probably going to get some flack for this. I shouldn't even say it, but like New York, for instance, yeah. not my thing at all. I didn't like it. It was there were way too many people. Mm. Everything was way too expensive and is way too packed into like little areas. So when I went, if I went out to a restaurant, we were looking at like you know I'm sitting like. <laughs> next to, next to a bunch of people completely packed it was it was nuts i remember specifically this restaurant i went to they had to pull the tables out to let you go sit oh, at wow. the booth and then push the table back in because it was too close to the other tables so anyway random random tangent sorry i'm really <laughs> bad at those we are here talking about what you're doing your things and you just said something that we skipped over said we come back to it I'm ready to come back to it already. Are you, are you sure? What, yes. You organize conferences. What are your conferences I about? I do. What? I organize something called the Low Carb Universe, which is, of course, a European version so that everyone gets access to similarly fantastic information as you guys have a lot in the States with, for example, PaleoFX, KetoCon, Low Carb uh, San Diego, all of those things, Low Carb USA and the Denver one and all of these fantastic and the Low Carb Cruise and all these places that I would love to attend every year, but it makes it a little bit difficult. But this is why we bring fantastic experts to Europe and so that Europeans have a little bit easier of a time to get to that knowledge and to get to um, network with the similarly minded people. And we only serve 100% low carb real food and we all stay in the same hotel and it's all very nice and cozy and we mix lectures with workshops. So every speaker has a lecture, but then they also have a workshop so you can really dive into those questions that you really, really, really care about. Yeah, and we incorporate a lot of movement, but also time for reflection and and taking it a bit easy because I know how, how stressful an event like this can be when you are an attendee and you haven't organized it all. <laughs> So that that's kind of cool. That's something I haven't experienced. So every speaker is then kind of required to do something cool with the audience afterwards, basically. Yes, exactly. So what would be an example of that? I, I haven't experienced that yet. So, um, so for example, if uh, a speaker knows that they get the same question a lot from their 
from their followers on social media or something, they can use that question or those questions and have sort of a question and answer sort of workshop. So it really becomes integrative. And um, last time we also had a doctor who has type 1 diabetes himself, who went through, you know, how you handle insulin when you actually are taking down the amounts of carbs that you're eating. Or we could... Uh, there has been some, if someone's made a documentary, for example, they can show that for their workshop and stuff like that. So it's very, very, yeah, it's very interactive and it's very uh, immersive, to put it that way. <laughs> okay, that sounds awesome. What is the, I'm always interested on the the logistics side of this kind of stuff. Like, what is the biggest challenge that you have when you're trying to figure out how to put an event like that on? Uh, who should come speak? Number one, number two, how to price it. <laughs> and number three, eh, there's not really that many issues. It's just basically trying to actually getting the word out is really difficult, especially for a sort of smaller event that maybe doesn't have that much of a following of its own. Then we do have to rely heavily on the speakers and previous guests to to share a lot about it, which is uh, always interesting. <laughs> So with speakers, you're kind of having to wade through people and figure out what their advice is like and make exactly. sure they're not out there preaching the wrong kind of... Preaching well, sad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would imagine that there's plenty of people out there that have been on the speaking circuit for 20 years okay. or something like that. And they're still going to health conferences telling you it's okay to eat 20 pancakes as long as it's inside of your macros or something yeah, like that. Exactly. And they've been on the circuit for so long and they had maybe they're in really good shape because they've managed to out exercise their bad diet, which is really hard. But yeah. I guess if you go <laughs> ballistic, must, you can do it. Yeah. Someone must be able to do it, right? <laughs> so have you have you come across somebody that you kind of were like, yeah, they're going to be a good speaker. And then you saw something that they posted or something that they did. And you're like, oh, nope. Never mind, we got to get rid of them. Has that happened? No, there's quite the rigorous uh, research before we even ask them oh, <laughs> just okay. to avoid so that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is where other conferences are fantastic um, to do a bit of research and meet people and network and, and see what's happening in the in the real world and not just on social media. That's really cool. Yeah, that's yeah. so I've definitely um, with some of the other podcasts I'm involved in, if, before I get a guest on researching them to figure out they're not you know, a bad Sad. actor or they're not a scammer or something like that. Like, yeah, it's, it's, that is most of what I'm doing when I'm in that process. So I was wondering it, like how many, I don't know if that's a, a struggle that everybody has or if it's just me. It is. It is. But, <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's awesome. So you've gotten everybody to your event and you run them in Switzerland then no, I imagine. No, not at no. all. We oh, Europe. It. Okay. Europe, but not Switzerland. Where do they go? Yes, We uh, have our events in Mallorca, Spain. Oh, okay. It's a little island in the Mediterranean, and it's beautiful. It's such a gorgeous place that you you can't miss it. It's so gorgeous. <laughs> I have not been there. Now I want to go. That that reminds me. I I tell people about the Azores all the time, where uh, there's there is it's this little perfectly manicured island that's part of Portugal. Yeah. And uh, that now has just moved up my list to a place that I want to go just there from one go. suggestion. <laughs> Is it always there or do you move it around? It has been there for, this is the third time we're running it. Fourth event, but third time we're doing the, the main event. And yeah, it's been, uh, that's the main event's home. We're trying to branch out a little bit, but it proves itself a little bit challenging. 
you add all those logistical problems again once exactly. you <laughs> start to do that the, the you mentioned uh, the low carb cruise i think that maybe maybe the low carb mediterranean cruise maybe you have to partner with not, not even partner make your own cruises are Pretty great much yeah <laughs> we should the, do that they at least with so i've run some conferences on cruises so the uh royal caribbean as long as you have i think like 20 people or something like that will yeah. give you the conference room for free and really? Wow. Yeah, they've got a they've got a cool little setup for that. So depending on how long it is, it could be fun. I don't know. Yeah, I've spoken on the low carb cruise a couple of times. Oh, cool! That's good fun. Is that run by? Do they run that on Royal Caribbean or is it yeah. somebody else? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they just happen to be. You can another thing you can do just randomly. You can ask. Well, if you ever want to take cruise for free, go to Royal Caribbean and say, "Hey, I'm me, and I will talk. On, I'll speak on your cruise as long as you give it to me for free." And then for like a one hour keynote, you get a free cruise. So I don't know. I don't know if that's something you'd be interested in, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they still they used to do that. I don't know if they still do, but it is uh, anyway. Just something I randomly thought about. So speaking of keynotes and speaking, like what has been your favorite? You know, outside of KetoCon, because because we talked about that and we talked nicely about them, so I don't want you to feel pressure to have to say them. (laughs) What has been your favorite place that you've done a keynote or workshop or breakout session at? Wow, that's a kind of a tough question. It's been in so far in four languages across Europe and the States. But even though we said very many nice things about KetoCon, I have to say KetoCon still. I mean, because the not if nothing else, the networking is unbeatable. <laughs> I would love to check out more of the US conferences and be invited to more of them to speak. <clears throat> and no hints, no, you know. Nothing. Hey, if you're listening, yeah, I don't know if you heard that cough, but that was a very subtle hint that you need to right? you need to invite Hannah. <laughs> now, but I would love to see more. But so far, definitely KetoCon. It's just it's also so nicely arranged for the speakers. You know, everything is recorded, everything is handed to you. Basically, you have content for days afterwards. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, we, we actually did some of the content for them almost as not. We didn't do the speaker content, but yeah. we did a lot of the oh, uh, yeah, yeah, floor yeah, and course. the man on the street interviews or whatever you want to call them. So even though it was excluded from the choice, it still won first yes. place was KetoCon. But apart from my own, of course. God, I forgot <laughs> yes. that one. Oh, yeah. What are you thinking? You just you said that you spoke in four different languages at four different or you've spoken in four different languages across yeah. different speaking engagements. I can only speak English and only at like a level of, you know, I don't always feel comfortable on stage Four languages comfortable enough to speak on stage. That is astronomically crazy to me. What are the four languages? And is that just kind of how you how your upbringing was from Switzerland or did you? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think how I can do it is basically because I'm so passionate about what I'm talking about and I know my message needs to be heard by many, maybe not everyone, but many people. And that's what sort of drives me to, to through the nerve wracking uh, sort of experience of standing there right outside of the stage. And you're like, what the bleep am I doing with my life? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? And then I go on and I'm like, this is why I'm doing it. Because <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, but uh, it is, languages are English. I can speak English with a bit of help, clearly. Uh, Swedish, German, and Finnish. Wow. that's so, Is there like a, like there's at least a little overlap between English and Spanish. It's the only other real language I have. A, a, I am learning is Spanish, Is there an actually. overlap there? Is there an overlap with those languages? Is, like, is it easier to learn Finnish if you already know Swedish? Or? No. 
not at all. No. Not between those two. <laughs> Maybe if I were to learn Dutch, it would be easier for me now because I speak Swedish, English, and German and sort of a mishmash of those three languages. But as I'm not, <laughs> no, there's not much overlap. <laughs> so your English was absolutely impeccable from this particular interview talk that we've had so that would i would have assumed it was maybe language number two not language number four so that that was uh that was impressive so that anyway (laughs) like the the nuance that you need to be able to speak in a language with to you have to be fluent in order to go on stage like that especially if you get question and answers afterwards so that's not as simple as going to google translate and reading something out on stage you really have to know what you're doing so that's that's what i do with spanish still (laughs) No, kidding, kidding. <laughs> Haven't presented in Spanish, probably won't. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you do, you know, let let us know. We've got uh, we've got a great Spanish community down here, also. That's true. You do. <laughs> so I I covered the uh, the coaching, the diabetes. You're focused on keto. You're writing, or no, you're speaking. I have not covered your writing. No. So how many books have you written? One more. <laughs> well half if that counts oh okay (laughs) no the writer part is more like i've written a lot of articles and was very active blog writer before but now i sort of moved into vlogging more because it's just more fun really and you can connect with people in a completely different way but uh, yeah the writer thing is it is happening it's just happening very slowly so there is a perhaps a manual of how to do diabetes properly coming up Sometimes it <laughs> possibly maybe a manual sometime in the near future yes, and it's coming it. out in at least four languages. Um well, let's start with one and we can move on. <laughs> yes. All right, one page a day. That's the that's the trick that everybody talks about for for writing. They're like you just got to do one page every yeah. day and then eventually you'll have your book. I don't know, I'm not writing a book so I have no idea. <laughs> but it sounds like great <laughs> advice. <laughs> yeah. There's a service here called um think scribed or book in a box or something like that where you can pay sixty thousand dollars and they just ask you questions and then they write your book for you wow that (laughs) sounds terrible yeah (laughs) yeah i so i i'm like if i ever wrote a book that's what i would do because i would never actually sit down and finish it that would just be impossible for me so but uh yeah it it is a challenge when you do take a book start to finish and write the whole thing yourself that is what you've done you've done sixty thousand dollars worth of value there are people here paying for that and you've done it all on your own so that's the I don't know, question is fun. though do you get those 60 grand back when you actually publish your book i doubt it i i know that they try to say that you do but it is really hard to make money publishing a book I as know, far right? as i'm concerned so you're not you're not doing it for the cash, really. Yeah, no, you're usually doing it just to you've you've got some something you want to get out there, and if you ever happen exactly. to make enough money that it was worth your time, then that's amazing. So, but to to make that kind of money, you almost need to be like a bestseller on the bestseller list. So yeah. that's tough. So I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to knock those guys that are working for Book in a Box or anything like that. But uh, you know, I don't know that we're getting the investment back if we do that. But I'm sure they help with marketing or something. Similar. They better. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So now that we're kind of basically towards the end of the episode here, is there anything that I kind of missed that you wanted to talk about today that I forgot to ask or anything like that? No. uh, Basically, I always say that that everything is figureoutable and that even if you are in a really bad situation right now with or without diabetes, but well, my heart clearly speaks to those who are... who do live with diabetes, there's always, always a way to find 
what works for you. It doesn't have to be the same as works for me, absolutely not. It can't be the same as works for your neighbor or your friend or your dog or whatever. You have to find what works for you. And if I, as a complete, I don't know, I was a complete mess 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I did, I wasn't sure I was going to see my 30th birthday. But if I can go from a double-digit HbA1c, so the average blood sugar measurements for the past sort of three months-ish, from a double-digit mess to a healthy normal level of 5.0%, so can you. That is a very mo- great motivational uh, piece there that that would have got me excited if I was listening and I was on the fence. So awesome. okay, that, <laughs> that was great. Where can we follow you for more nuggets like that? Like what is the best place to get the most from Hannah? You can, of course, visit my webpage, which is hannahbuesis.com. Make sure you can link it somewhere or on social media where I am Hannah Diabetes Expert, of course. Okay, so you you heard here those links are in the show notes too if cool. you're interested. So thank you for coming on the show. Thank the you next so time much that you're me. possibly stateside, reach out to us. Ask us if we happen to be at that conference, and we will uh, we'll link up if if we're not or whatever. And definitely the next time you're in Austin. Oh, awesome! We'll definitely do that. All right, thanks everybody. Thank you. Uh, and just in case I forget, obviously Hannah nor me are any sort of. Uh, medical professional this is all for entertainment you know always do your own research on this stuff ask a medical professional before making any changes in your own diet Simon,